Amen. Man. Now I'm going to hand it back over to Lynette for an amazing message. That was so good. Thank you so much. We had, we had a marble jar in our house. Riyadh is still making a face. I think um, we may have to have some prayer for the marble jar later. <laughs> but that's what we had. That is good parenting, Ashley. I'm in, I'm in full agreement with that. Welcome. That's a good-looking crowd this morning. Man, it's good to see you guys. You guys are... Y'all are like totally filled in over here. There's a little, there's a little bit of space over here. Everybody over here must have showered. I'm not sure about everybody over here. Just totally kidding. <laughs> my name is Lynette. If I've not got to meet you before, I'm part of the pastoral team here at Cowboy Church, and it is my honor to call myself one of your pastors, and it is my honor to serve uh, this church. We were just this week we had a, a meeting to review uh, some things that were going on, a meeting we had here at the church. And I just have to say, it really, I, anytime I get to sit with the people that I get to serve with, I am in awe that I get to serve with them. And anytime I walk around our church and I get to talk to people and meet people and shake people's hands, I always feel like when people say, this is our home, this is our church home, I always feel like, man, I don't know how come we get to have you, but I'm so glad we do. <laughs> I don't know why we get to call you our family at this church, but I'm so glad that we do. So thank you for being a part, and we want to welcome our online community. Thank you for being a part of our family. We welcome you into uh, our house, and thank you for welcoming us into your home or your horse trailer, wherever you're watching from today. So thank you for being with us. Uh, speaking of our online family, um, it is an, it's an awesome thing to get to broadcast around the world and for people to connect with us from all over the place and uh, that we get to meet people that we don't get to meet in here and get to connect with people that live, you know, hundreds and thousands of miles away and to get to connect with them. And I count that a huge blessing. I praise God for technology that we get to do that. And uh, the interesting part of that is that there are also people that have connected that you're like, whoa. <laughs> so a uh, while back, I was... Uh, preaching up here one time and somebody made a comment online about my hair and it was not a kind comment. I know what, <laughs> thank you. I was like, what? So I was like, well, whatever, you know, maybe she was having a bad day. I don't know what the deal was. Well, it continued. Like anytime I was on this individual would comment about my hair. I know! So, <laughs> so I was doing a live thing one time before service, and this individual commented and said, is she, well, first it was, what is wrong with your hair? And I'm trying to spread the love of Jesus, and this comes up while I'm, you know, talking, and I was like, oh, oh. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So, you know, I just kind of breezed over it. And then she commented and said, are you wearing a wig? I know! <laughs> so I was like, oh. 
anyway, I went home and I was like, I told Darren, I don't know who this person is, but they don't like my hair and it really hurts my feelings. And what was really sweet is a lot of the people on the online community, there was a few of them that commented back and said, hey, that's not what we're about. This, we're about encouraging each other, you know, and somebody even said, the Lord bless you. That was... That was Southern for bless your heart, honey. (laughs) Right? So anyway, um, out of all of the things that people said, it could be, it could be, I gave my life to the Lord and I'm not going to hell, but I was focused in on that woman asking about my hair and what was wrong with my hair. So... I do have a wonderful team of people around me and one of our pastors, well, I'm just going to say Pastor Mark blocked her. So she she can't comment on stuff anymore. I don't know if she's watching and she can watch, but she can't comment on stuff anymore because it like, it was not kind, you know? Well, then... Anytime I was getting ready and like, if the, I, I don't know anybody else in here that has naturally curly hair, like the more humidity, the bigger it gets. And there's just not a lot that can be done about that. So anytime that we're having a humid day or whatever, I'll ask Riata, does my hair look like I'm wearing a wig? Does my, <laughs> is my hair okay today? Is my hair offensive? Am I being distracting with my hair today? And Darren said, you need to put that behind you. You need to let that go. You need to not let that be a problem for you. But it's that thing that no matter how many positive comments or, you know, good things that you hear. It's like, what is it about us that we can hone in on that one one negative thing? And that really becomes like, it becomes ingrained in your mind. Like you start, I mean, every time, you know, like humid days, I'm like, oh my gosh, is my, is my hair distracting? You know, am I being, am I being a distraction with my hair? (laughs) I don't know. So my daughter also told me, mom, you need to quit worrying about that. So I have this, this internal battle. And I think that we all have them. We all have certain uh, comments that have been made to us. Or, I mean, I, as a kid, I was called the jolly green giant. I was called lurch. There was, you know, things that were said to me as a kid that caused me to be super, super self-conscious, not just as a kid. I mean, still people will walk up to me, you know, Oh my gosh, how tall are you? Like, you know, like, Whoa, Hey, you know, you know, Oh, did you play basketball? I love to tell people why I would really, you know, I lettered in miniature golf, but you know, But it's just those little things that people say. I mean, have we all been there? You know, that it's these little comments that come in. And because of that, uh, I have found that I strongly relate to a particular person in scripture. And it doesn't matter what's going on and what season I'm in. This person is very near and dear to my heart. I feel like I relate to him. And his name is Elijah. So I'm going to go to the story of Elijah in 1 Kings is where we begin to read about him. And the first mention that we see of Elijah in the scripture is in 1 Kings chapter 17. His name comes out. 
And Elijah, for those of you who have never heard of him, I'm going to introduce you to one of my friends today. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And in that time, a prophet was appointed by God. And that prophet was a person that God would speak to. And then that person would speak to the people. He would carry the word of God to the people. And God would speak to, to this person, he would carry the word, or if the people needed to hear from God or they was, you know, had a question, well, let's go see the prophet. Let's go find the prophet and see what the Lord would speak to us through the prophet. So Elijah was a prophet. And we, like I said, we start reading about him in first Kings chapter 17. First Kings is in the old Testament and it's right before second Kings. So then, um, so Elijah was a prophet during the time that a man named Ahab was king over Israel. And Ahab was not a nice man. The scripture tells us that he was evil, even more so than all of the people that reigned as king before him. Well, then if you haven't heard of Ahab, a lot of you have probably heard of his wife, because his wife was a piece of work. Her name was Jezebel. So there was King Ahab and then his wife, Jezebel. So when Elijah was a prophet, these are the two that he was uh, positioned under as they were king and nasty woman queen over Israel. So where I want to jump in here, I'm going to jump off in 1 Kings chapter 18. And I'm going to start... Uh, in verse 36. So what's happened? I'm going to just give you the, if it's, if this is such an amazing place in scripture, I absolutely love it, but I don't have time to go into a great amount of detail. So what has happened is Israel has turned their back on God and they have been worshiping a false God called Baal. And as they have done that, Things have not been going good in Israel. Things are bad. So in that time, Elijah, the prophet, upon hearing from God and paying his heart and being attentive to God and serving God, he has called for a drought, uh, yeah, a drought in the land. And so there's been no rain for three years. The people are in extreme poverty. They're in, like eating uh, dove dung, I think is... They're eating crap. I mean, that's just straight up the way. I don't, anyway, that's the way the scripture puts it. But that, that's bad, right? That's worse than not being able to get Fritos. So they're in a really bad place. So anyway, what's happened is this drought has taken place. Well, Elijah goes to Ahab. And Ahab, when he addresses Elijah, he says, Oh, you're the troubler of Israel. Oh. Elijah responds, this is Lynette translation. He's like, uh, nah, you are. And so Elijah says, let me show you what a troubler of Israel you are. You meet me out on the playground behind the monkey bars and you bring all of your people with you. And I'm going to bring my God with me and we'll see who wins this fight. Right? Because my dad could beat up your dad. Okay. So that's basically what was happening. So right here, <laughs> so we jump in and we have just experienced all of these false prophets of Jezebel's and Ahab's, and they have been calling down what they decide. Let me back up. Sorry. They decided, they say, Hey, okay, you go over here on your side and you build an altar to your gods. And I'm going to go over here on my side of the monkey bars and I'm going to build an altar to my God. And whichever God comes down and consumes the sacrifice, that's the real God. 
and we'll win the fight. So the false prophets, 450 of them, start building their uh, altar and their calling, you know, calling on their God to come and do something. And Elijah's watching all of it. And I think one of the reasons I like Elijah is because he's kind of a smarty pants, pretty sarcastic. Because while they're doing all of that, Elijah is sitting over there. I just picture him. He's like leaned against the monkey bars like, yeah, uh, maybe your God is asleep because nothing is happening. And he even at one point says, well, maybe your God has gone to the bathroom, you know, because there's nothing happening. So when they get done doing all of their thing, Elijah steps up. And he's like, he, he says this, y'all get ready. And what is the, I don't know what the Western is, but the song that, wah, 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 you know, that, that's how I, that's how I picture Elijah walking over to his altar to do his sacrifice. You know, like if they had spurs back then, I'm pretty sure that he was chinging, walking over where he was going. So anyway, first Kings chapter 18. Y'all calm down. Verse 36, (laughs) it says this. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. So all of these people are standing around watching. Elijah calls and God shows up big time, not just a little bit, like huge. And Elijah was like, see, I told you. So after this happens, after this happens, they take the 450 prophets of Baal. He orders them to be taken down by the river. He executes 450 prophets of Baal that day that were leading the people to worship a false god. Then after he does that, he goes up on top of the mountain and prays and rain comes that hasn't fallen for three years. We just talked about that a couple of weeks ago that he heard from the future, the sound of abundant rain coming before it ever even fell on the earth. Then after that, happened, the scripture says that the hand of the Lord came upon him and that as Ahab was riding his chariot back to Jezreel to go and tell his evil, nasty wife, Jezebel, that all of her prophets have just been killed and that Elijah, he, like his dad beat up our dad and it was super embarrassing. And so he's riding his chariot back to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord comes upon Elijah and he runs, outruns the chariot back to Jezreel. Like lots of stuff happening. That was God. I'm thinking Elijah has to be thinking this is the best day ever. (laughs) This is awesome. God has been so good today. Let's see what else I can do. Right? So Ahab goes in the house to Jezebel. Jezebel sitting on her throne Can you say nasty woman? Nasty woman. Okay, so he goes into Jezebel. First Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 1. 
says this, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Chapter 18, Elijah is on the top of the world, man. He's had like, in, in just like ministry speaking, that's a good day in ministry. Like no exaggeration, <laughs> right? That's an awesome day. And the very next thing, chapter 19, verse one, just hours later, we see a completely different man. We see somebody who is sitting under a broom tree in the shade out in the desert and is asking God saying, it would be better for me right now. I'm done. I'm out. Finn, call me home. I don't want to be here anymore. Hours, just literally hours after he's had the best day ever. So what is amazing And if we really look and see the truth, the same man that was standing before all of the false prophets of Baal and called down the fire of God from heaven, that same man on the inside of him was the man that ran and hid at the voice of one woman. He was the same person. That is the mystery of the plurality of our humanity that we can experience the highest of highs, the greatest compliments, the most encouraging words, but yet at the voice of one, we can get so discouraged and have the wind completely taken out of our sails, just like Elijah, to the point where we say, I'm done, I'm out, I don't wanna do this anymore. Lord, take me home. The plurality of our humanity, we all have it. We all deal with it. We may not talk about it, but it's there. Elijah just happened to be someone who was willing to be so honest to speak about it to God. We can be so confident and so certain in certain things, but then at the very same time on the inside of us hiding somewhere is a huge weakness and a vulnerability. And when I say vulnerability, I don't mean in a good way. You could be building a thriving, booming business and at the same time struggling in a marriage that you cannot hold together and that the word divorce has been mentioned and you are tormented by it. You could be the person who is the absolute life of the party, the one that brings the energy, the one that everybody wants to be in the circle with, and the minute you leave, you can't stand the thought of going home because you are so afraid to be by yourself. The loneliness is tormenting for you. You could be the person that is so confident in 
your career, but yet at the same time, there is a battle on the inside of you for commitment that you cannot make a relationship work. They're the same people. But what one looks like here and what one looks like over here seem to be two totally different people. It's the duality of our humanity. But the thing that's so cool about God, the awesomeness of him, is that he wants to take those places of mountaintop calling down the fire of God experiences, but he also wants to take those places that we hide, that are in the darkness, and that make us feel so defeated at times. And he wants to use both of those to bring us into a deeper awareness of who he is and who we are in him. God uses both. And man, it was so cool what Ashley said this morning about our finances is that, you know, it seems like sometimes when we're doing really great and we're on those top of the world moments and we're just kicking it, that maybe we're not leaning into God as much as in those moments when we're really, really struggling. And I'll tell you what I found is when I was really struggling, when I was doing really great, Maybe I wasn't as diligent in my prayer time. Back in college, I remember like those times when everything was going really good. I wasn't as diligent about God. I kind of took for granted that he was there. But then when I was really struggling, I would like, oh my gosh, where is God? Where is God? And God's like, dude, I've been here. Where have you been? You know, I didn't go anywhere. But it was my own battle. So it was the place of victory at Mount Carmel And it was the darkest place that he could be under the broom tree where he said, it is enough, Lord, take my life. It's an interesting thing when you study out the broom tree. I have really cool, I'm I'm not like a Hebrew scholar or anything. I just have a really good computer program. (laughs) So when you study out the broom tree, The broom tree is a tree that would grow really large in the desert and it provided a lot of shade. So it was a great place for people to rest and to get refreshing. However, the broom tree has very bitter and toxic roots. So on the outside, everything looked really great and the broom tree was great. People loved the broom tree because it was a place to go and get shade and refreshing from the heat in the desert. However, underneath the surface lied what could be poisonous and deadly to people. And isn't that a good parallel for where Elijah was at that moment? Because on the outside, when he was at Mount Carmel, I mean, everything looked great. Look at me. I'm providing shade. I'm huge. Everyone come. But there was something underneath the surface that in his life somewhere along the way, that it wouldn't be like in those moments, it's like how, you know that things are cumulative, right? So there was something that led up to and that was, was there under the surface for Elijah that in that moment, that when he ran and hid, that he would be underneath that tree saying, I'm done, I want out, I don't wanna be here. This is too much. I can't do this anymore. It's interesting too, this is a little side note. I I think going back when Ahab addressed Elijah and said, called him the troubler of Israel. I think that if you, I don't have time to go into it right now, but there's a lot that can be tied to that. 
Again, it's those things, it's those words that have been said, it's those things that have been spoken either outwardly to ourselves or things that we've heard that then we speak over and over in our minds and in our own head that we repeat that are the toxic things that are underneath the surface that cause us to run at the word of one person. One accusation, one bad moment, one thing that seemed like a failure, one moment that didn't go the way that we thought it was going to go. And suddenly we're like, I'm out. It's those, it's those moments where it's, it's the place where when we experience those high highs, God knows what we're dealing with under the surface. God knows our heart. He's not looking at the outward. He's looking at our hearts. And he knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart is what the scripture said. So if God knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart and he knows that there's something toxic that is going to affect you being able to fulfill everything that he's put you here on this earth to fulfill, if he knows that there's some toxicity beneath the surface there, He's willing to let you walk through, but never alone in order to bring that to a place to where you're not vulnerable to the voice of Jezebel anymore or any other voice, any other one that would try to speak to you and call you out. God leads us through these places to replace what was weakness with strength. And if you want to encounter God Stand in your fear. Stand in your pain. Stand when everything in you wants to withdraw and run and hide. Quit. Stand. There was a young man that was in our church. This was years ago. It was when the kids were little. And uh, his dad was dying of cancer And we had gotten very close with the two of them. And one night he had decided to go out and he was so drunk that, you know, surely should not be driving, but didn't have anywhere to go. So Darren went and picked him up at the bar and brought him to our house. And he's laying on my couch. I was so mad at him. I was mad at him. Just full disclosure, I socked him right in the arm and I like hard. Because I figured he's drunk, he won't remember it tomorrow. So I socked him in the arm and I said, who do you think you are that the rest of us are dealing with the pain of this situation and you think that you can go and get drunk so that you don't have to feel anything while all the rest of us are feeling it? Now we're feeling the pain of you going out and being stupid. You want to get drunk and come to my house, that's what you're going to (laughs) get. And he was like, I don't know how to deal with it. Let me tell you, you stand. You stand in it because it's not going to go away because you run. It's going to be right there when you sober up and you're going to feel like crap trying to deal with it. So just do it sober. If you want to encounter God, stand in it and don't run from it. Whatever it is for you, whatever it is for you. God can't heal it if you're not willing to face it. 
So let's look at where God takes Elijah. Elijah is by this uh, stream under the broom tree. And for the sake of time, we're going to skip forward a little bit. Elijah is taken by God up to a mountain and God begins to speak to him there. And he's in a cave and God speaks to him and he says, Elijah, come and listen to me. And I'm going to start reading in 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to start reading in verse 9, 19 and verse 9. And it says, and there he went into a cave, Elijah, and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I just want to stop right there and I want to say this. There's been a lot of negativity put on that question and I don't have time to go into it, but this right here, God's not on him like, what the flip is your problem, yo? He's asking him a question and he's presenting it to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And that word here, just so you know, that word here means close to the speaker, close to the person who's asking the question. So Elijah didn't run away. He ran into a close proximity with God. So God is speaking to him. So that's all I'm going to say about that right now. So then verse 10, he goes on and he said, so he said, Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then he said to him, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. See, what God is wanting us to see here is that God reminds Elijah that, yes, I was on the top of the mountain and I came down in fire. I was the one who brought rain after three years of drought. I was the one that was in these spectacular demonstrations. But what I want you to remember, Elijah, is that I'm the one that speaks to you in an intimate, soft voice. He's reminding Elijah that, yes, I am spectacular and I do awesome things, but I want you to never forsake the intimacy of my still, small voice. And he's speaking this to him because he knows that the spirit of Jezebel, the voice of the enemy, the voice that comes to accuse, the voice that comes to discourage, the voice that comes to bring accusations to tell you all the reasons why you can't, why you shouldn't, and why nobody wants you to, that that voice is going to be speaking. But what he's saying is, my still small voice must always always be louder to you than any other because the voices will either come from the outside or they'll come from the inside whatever isn't being spoken from the outside man how many of us can do a really good job of criticizing ourselves because i know me right i live with me i look at me in the mirror that still small voice has to be the loudest. So when he says, he says this, Elijah responds twice to God. God asks him the question again after Elijah gets done telling him all this. God asks him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
And both times, Elijah responds to him in the same way. But in both times, he says to him, I alone am left and they seek to take my life. What God was pointing out to us here is that word life in the Hebrew actually means your desire, your passion, your strength, and your will. And what Elijah was saying is he was saying, they're seeking to take my passion. They're seeking to take my will. When he sat down under the broom tree, he's like, I'm out. This is too much. This is too hard. This hurts too much. And when we're in those places, the enemy comes right in because his whole point is if he can squash your passion, if he can squash your desire, he steals what God wants to do with you. And God responds so kindly to Elijah. What are you doing here? In reminding him, the enemy cannot steal your passion if you can hear my voice. If you can hear my voice. This church, this church, N3C, is a home for pioneers, for barrier breakers, for entrepreneurs, for creatives, for dreamers, and people that don't like to color in the lines. When we started this church, we started this church for people who just don't quite fit the mold. The people that maybe have felt like they just don't quite fit in in other places. And it's because you're a person who is, a, is testing the boundary all the time. You're a person who is looking to see what's over that hill. Or a person that says, well, nobody has ever done that before. Why not? This church is a home for people who are willing to dream with God. And when you're willing to dream with God, it's a spectacular, awesome thing. But when you're dreaming with God, you take it on the nose. You're the one that's out in the front and you're the one that is swinging the blade and cutting a path for everybody else to follow. And I heard this said by another minister last week, and I thought it was hilarious because he said, let's just be honest. When you're out front swinging the blade, you're lost. You don't know where you're going. (laughs) That's the truth. We tell people all the time, we don't know squat diddly about being pastors. We didn't go to school for it. We were not officially trained for it. I don't have no piece of paper that tells me that I've got education and, you know, three initials after my name to be a pastor. All I know how to do is love people. All I know how to do is continue to cut a trail for other people to walk in and hopefully and prayerfully with every swing of that blade that they will far exceed anywhere that I ever dreamt about going and that my ceiling will be their floor and they'll go far beyond anywhere that God ever had planned to take me. Every one of you in here, you're a trailblazer. If this is your home, there is a part of you that is called to cut a path. You are not called to be normal. You are not called to fit in. And some of you are like, phew, I'm in the right place. (laughs) So that person that's been telling you, you need to tone it down. You need to bring it down. No, you don't. You run with that. You run with that fire. Because here's the thing. 
we are experiencing something here at this church that we've never experienced before. It's unprecedented. And we're seeing areas of breakthrough, areas of healing, areas of miracles, signs and wonders that we've prayed for 20 years for. We're experiencing some of that. All of it, not yet. All of us are experiencing this. Whether you've experienced it yet or not. If I experience breakthrough, that means breakthrough's coming for you. Because I heard this long time ago, where the head goes, so goes the body. So if that's where we're going, that's where you're going. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we experience these breakthroughs, when we experience these demonstrations of God, we have to be in tune with a still, small voice so that the voice of opposition and accusation does not detract our attention. Call us off of what we're doing. Cause us to put down the blade and quit cutting. We got to keep going. We can't get distracted. Where he's taking us is a place of big demonstration. There's going to be big demonstrations. There's going to be moments, you guys. There have been moments where I've been like, are you serious? Wow, God. And there's more to come. But I don't ever want to get distracted from the still, small voice and the intimacy and respect it. Amen. We have to make time for the whisper of God. And God's voice has to be louder. So if I could get the worship team to come up, what I would like to do, we sang this song at the beginning. Wes, can you come and get this for me? And then in just a minute, we'll clear this podium, but I need it still for just a tad. You could take this with you. Thank you, sir. I had asked Kirsty last week, I said, there's a song that to me is God's voice over us as a church right now. And for everybody that's watching online, this is you. But there is a song that I feel is God's voice over this church right now. And we sang it at the beginning of service. But then as my message started coming together and I started seeing clearly the direction God was going, I was hearing God just say, I want your hands to be so open for me. And I don't want you to be hanging on to anything from the past because where I'm taking you Your hands need to be so open because you're going to be amazed at what I do through your hands. There's people in here right now. I heard specifically, and I know that there's more than one, that there are, it's a mom that you're either building a business or you are in a position in the business that you work for where you're responsible for building that business. I'm not certain which, but you are kicking it in the business realm and you are good at what you do, but there is a continual battle on the inside of you. Am I not being a good mom? (laughs) 
Are my kids suffering because I'm so good at what I do? And there's almost a guilt that you feel for being so good at your job because you are truly gifted at it. That you question, are my kids suffering and am I being selfish by being good at this over here? And I want you to know right now in the name of Jesus that you are gifted by God to do what you do. And there is a balance. God's going to create a balance for you. And you're not bad as a mom. You are as good as a mom as you are gifted in the business that God has given you and God gave you those babies and there's nobody else who could mother those children and nurture them and raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord the way that you do. You are anointed for this and this is your time and this is your call. And when you quit allowing the accusation of the spirit of Jezebel to be made at you, you're gonna find that you take off in that nurturing role and that your job as a mother, that there is an ease and a momentum that comes to you for that. So whoever that is, all of the women that that is, I want you to come up here. I'm inviting you to come to the front. And if the worship team would just start playing right now, I want to invite everybody to stand because what we're going to do, we're going to declare to the Lord, our hands are open and any area of pain, any area of fear, any area of doubt, that has been being hidden and that the enemy has been using to torment us beneath the surface right now in the name of Jesus. We're cutting that off because if you want to encounter God, you stand. There's other, I heard specifically that there are, I heard specifically a mechanic that you are good. You are good at what you do in your mechanic game. But somewhere, somehow, there was a voice that came into you that said that you are not intelligent and that you're a mechanic because you're not smart enough to do something else. And I want you to know that you're a brilliant mind and that God reveals things to you through your work and that in order for you to do the things that you do, you can't be stupid and you are not stupid. And whoever said to you, whatever voice was said to you, that you are not an intelligent person and that you do this because you can't do anything else, that's a lie from the pit of hell and we just need to get rid of that. So who is that? Who is that person? Okay, I want to say to you that you are right where God wanted you to be and that God sees you and he created you with a beautiful, beautiful mind. And I'm looking at you right now and this package that God has presented before me right now, what I see is that there is a creativity on the inside of you and that God actually has anointed your hands to do what you do. And you think, well, maybe my hands are not as important as somebody else who is, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is, but I want you to know that your hands are really, really important and that God uses your hands to move things that nobody else could move. And so you're positioned in a place not to just do your job, but God wants to use you in that place to release his kingdom, that his kingdom is released through your hands. And it doesn't matter where you've been. I can hear right now that like, but you don't know. I don't need to know. And you just need to listen to that still small, small voice of God because God is going to bring you out of where you've been and put you in a new place. And it's in his heart. It's in his love. He's got amazing things for you. You're going to be in awe. You're going to remember this day. You're going to look back on this day and say, wow, look what God did.
people in any area of your life where there's a voice of fear, there's a a residue of pain from something from the past, something somebody has said to you, something that you've been through, I want to invite you to come up because right now we're going to make a declaration and it ends today. Today, the, the back voice of causing doubt, the back voice of what you can't do, what you're not capable of, what you um, have been held of. I'm almost, I'm seeing like somebody on a, on a, like on a, a bed where their arms are strapped down and you felt like you've been strapped down and that you couldn't move, almost like suffocating, that whatever the situation you're in, you feel like you're suffocating and you can't release your arms. God is releasing your arms this morning and I don't know what it is that's holding your arms down, but literally you feel like you're suffocating in the current situation. Is that is that somebody here? If that's you, I invite you to come forward because God's going to release your arms and you're going to have a freeness of breath. I feel specifically no more suffocating, a freeness of breath and an ease of breath. So I invite you to declare this song over yourself, over your household, over your workplace, over your school. And we're going to just declare this together. So I'm going to ask the worship team to see and I'm going to go, I'm going to go pray and I'm going to ask the prayer team. If you want prayer, just spread out all the way across the front. And if you would, not doubled up, but just single. If you want prayer, come all the way across and then go right down the side right here. If there's more than needs can spread across the front. Pray with people as I pray with them. So let's do this.